Welcome to Keeping It Israel, brought to you by First Century Foundation. This weekly podcast explores how your Christian faith connects to Israel and why standing with Israel matters. Now here's your host, Executive Director of First Century Foundations, Jeff Feuders. Hi, my name is Jeff. Welcome to the podcast. And our guest today is Professor Yossi Garfinkel. Yossi is the head of the Institute of Archaeology at Hebrew University and holds the Yigael Yadin Chair in Archaeology of Israel. From 2007 to 2013, he conducted excavations at Kirbet Kayafa and discovered a fortress there which dates to the time of the biblical King David. Uh, there his excavations unearthed an inscription which is possibly the earliest Hebrew inscription known. Professor Yossi is now part of a team of archaeologists who have been excavating Kirbet al-Rai since 2015, a site he now believes is the biblical city of Ziklag. And uh, Yossi, welcome today and thank you for taking the time to be with us on the podcast. It's my pleasure. I want to, it's, it's, uh, it's certainly our pleasure to have you as well and uh, to be able to connect with you again. We did an interview you at Kirbet Kayafa back a couple of years ago, and um, uh, that was just a great experience. And uh, we want to talk today, though, about this find. And you're going to tell us a little bit more about why you believe this is Ziklag and, and so on. But for those of you who don't remember Ziklag from the biblical account, uh, we go to the time of King David when he's fleeing from King Saul and Saul is threatening his life. And so David seeks asylum with the king of Gat, King Achish. And uh, Achish gave Ziklag to this to the future King David and David built up his resources. And from there he would go out and and uh, raid uh, various uh, various areas with his band of men. And of course, there's a famous story about when David and his men were out and uh, those who were left behind, the wives and the children, uh, the Amalekites came and, and took them and, and uh, David and his men came back to find uh, Ziklag burned. And so that gives us a little bit of, of biblical background. Of course, David went with his troops and was able to recover all of uh, what was lost in the city of Ziklag. And, and uh, that's sort of a, a snapshot of what we read in the scripture. But when we think about the the biblical history, um, we do know that over the years, there have been other places identified as biblical Ziklag. I want to know from you, Yossi, what first drew your attention to this site of Kirbat al-Rai and, and why do you think it's a possible location for Ziklag? Okay, you should know that we have in Israel about 30,000 archaeological sites, and uh, less than 10% of them has been excavated so far. So there is still 10,000 of sites all over, and uh, who knows what is still hiding wow. in, uh, under the, the soil. One of the, the methods for knowing something about a site before you're excavating it is to do a survey. Archaeological survey, we're going over the site and we're looking at the pottery shell, sometimes coins or other uh, objects that are on the surface. And according to this object, we can predict what periods are buried inside the archaeological site. And my partner at Herbert Kayafa, Sarganor, made a survey in this site. The site is called Herbert El Rai, 
which means the ruins of the shepherds. Ro'e is a shepherd in Arabic and also in Hebrew. So it's the ruins of the shepherd. And uh, when he made okay. this survey, he noticed on the surface of the site, pottery, the same pottery that we discovered at Hirbit Kayafa at the city from the time of David. And if you have the same pottery in two different places, it means that both places were occupied in the same period. So before even starting excavated in Khirbet el-Rai, we already knew that the site going to have a level from the time of King David. And of course, after uh, finding such a site, we decided that we want to check and see what's going on at Khirbet el-Rai. Okay, so how many other sites are there in Israel that that have been posited as uh, Ziklag? A year ago, there were 11 earlier suggestions. Now you can ask me, so you are the 12th suggestion, why you are better than all the others? Well, so I'm asking, why why is, is this site better than all the others? So the question is how to deal with such a problem. Okay, we have the biblical uh, tradition telling us about a place called Ziklag, and it was belonged to the Philistine king of Gad, and then it was given to David. There's another tradition that once uh, David became a king, Ziklag became an inherited uh, part for, of the king of uh, Judah. Okay, so now what can we do from this uh, information about the location of uh, Ziklag? So uh, I propose three different uh, criteria. One is the name, second is the history, and third is geography. Now the name. You know, Ziklag is not a Semitic name. So it's a name given to the place by the Philistines because it's Indo-European name. And you have linguistic dealing with the ancient uh, Mycenaean language, early Greek, they're trying to, uh, um, to identify the meaning of the name Ziklag. There's even an article that suggests that the name Ziklag means the place with the white cliffs. This is in ancient Greek. So it's not a Semitic name. But you know, the Philistine didn't change the name of places. Ashkelon, still, Canaanite Ashkelon was still Ashkelon of the Philistines, and Gaza, and Ashdod, and Ekron, and Gat. All the five major cities of the Philistines <coughs> has Semitic names in the Canaanite, Late Bronze Era, and they continue into the Iron Age. So how come a place has sad, how come we have a, a place which has a Philistine name? The conclusion that it was probably built by the Philistines. It was not an era, before this, there was no big Canaanite city because if Ziklag is located in a place where you have a big Canaanite city, they would continue to use the older name. That means that a site for, for a site to be Ziklag, it shouldn't have a meaningful Canaanite settlement. Okay, and this okay. was uh, about the name. The second criteria is the history. We are told that Ziklag was a Philistine or under Philistine hegemony, so that's the 12th and 11th centuries BC. And then if David settled in, you should have a level from the time of King David. If you have a site which has no Philistine present or no 11th, 12th century present, or it doesn't, doesn't have uh, occupation in the time of David, it cannot be Ziklag. Okay, so this is about the history of the place. And the third aspect is the geography. Mm -hmm. 
since uh, Tziklag was <coughs> belong to Gat, it cannot it cannot be near Gaza. It should be near Gat. And then we have the tradition that Tziklag became part of the inheritance land of the kings of Judah, which means that it has to be close to Judah. It's in the eastern side of the coastal plain or the Shvela. It cannot be very far away in the Negev. It cannot be far away to the west. So when you take these three criteria and you check each one of the, the site, some of the sites are strong Canaanite cities, so it cannot be Tziklag. Some sites don't have Philistine presence. They don't have 11th, 12th century BC occupation level in them. So they cannot uh, fit, to, they cannot be Tziklag. And then some sites don't have 11th from the time of right. David. Our site is the only site which was not an important Canaanite center and it is occupied in the 11th, 12th and 10th century BC and the location is on the border between Judah and Philistia. And that's why I think that our site or our identification is much better than all the other 11 uh, possibilities. Another aspect relating to the geography is that Hirbet Kayafa is sitting on the valley of Elah and it's opposite Gat. Our site is sitting overlooking at the Lachish Valley and it's opposite Ashkelon. And if you remember David Lament over Saul, he said, don't tell it in Gat, don't tell it in the street of Ashkelon. David don't relate to mm. Ekron and not to Ashdod and not to Gaza. Why only these two Philistine cities, Gat and Ashkelon are mentioned? Because they are the closest to, Jude, to Judah. So they are more relevant than the other cities. So we were thinking that Chirbet uh, el Rai can be an interesting site in the kingdom of uh, David. Okay, great. So the, the name, the history, the geography, kind of the three things to remember. Now, as you have been uh, digging there since 2015, and, and you shared with us that you're going to be digging again there this summer, uh, what is the archaeology revealing about the city? What are some of the, the highlights that uh, you've discovered that sort of have made you the most excited about uh, about this project? So when we started, we were looking for a place uh, to have a, you know, a, a city. This was our uh, hope, of course, to have a city like Hirbet Kayafa, a fortified city from the time of King David. And from the surface, we have a, a pottery from the time of David, but we didn't know, we didn't have, we didn't discover pottery from the time of the Philistines. And what was the big surprise that when we start excavating mm. the site, and we have four different areas, area A, area B, area C, area D. In all these areas, immediately we have very strong Philistine presence. Most of the site, most of the archaeological sediment of the site is from the 12th and 11th centuries BC. This is where the site was in its peak, and this is the most important era in the history of uh, Hirbet El Rai. And what we have from the time of David is a very small village, and we have only six rooms, more or less, from the time of David. And by the way, they were destroyed by heavy fire. The roof collapsed, and we have about 60, 70 complete pottery vessels buried on the floors of the houses. So you can see that in the time of David, it was occupied for a very short time and it was suddenly destroyed, which also uh, meet the, the history of the place as remembered in the biblical tradition. But the most important part, part of the site is from the time of the judges, the 12th and 11th century BC. 
we discovered uh, port Philistine pottery, and we have also a lot of uh, Canaanite pottery. And we also discovered metal objects and some seals and uh, even a gold object. So it's, it was a very rich site in the time of uh, the judges. And I can even give you a clue. I cannot tell you what exactly, but I will give you something that will make you happy, I think, and the, and the audience, of course. We have an inscription from late 12th or early 11th century BC. And on this inscription, we have a name. I will not tell you the name because it was not published yet, but it's a name of one of the judges. In the book of Judges, you have a name of uh, certain wow. people that act as judges. And one of these names that is known from the biblical tradition was found on an inscription at Hirbet el -Rai. But uh, this mm. was uh, extremely uh, interesting and uh, important uh, discovery. It's amazing. Now, the um, first of all, the, the size of the city uh, in the Philistine era, what you're finding, it sounds like much larger than what you found from the Davidic era. Um, now, what do we know about the Philistines from archaeology? What have we learned? Where did they come from? And were they a very strong and powerful presence in the Levant at the time of David? Well, according to the biblical traditions, there are five capital cities, and four of them has been excavated. There were excavations in Ashkelon and in Ashdod and in Ekron and also in Gat. The only city which was not uh, yet excavated is Gaza. And I hope that one day it will be a, a peaceful situation and Palestinian archaeologists or European mm. archaeologists will be able to excavate in Gaza and to tell us a lot about the Philistine and Canaanite city at Gaza. But uh, I think that the excavation in four out of five uh, cities is a very good uh, sample. It's about 80% of the cities, of the Philistine cities has been excavated. And we know quite a lot about the Philistine. These, uh, they were a, a huge site. Ashkelon was 600 or hectare, you're working in hectare, so Ashkelon was 60 hectare in size. And Ashdod was about 35 hectares. And uh, Ashdod is about 30 hectares. Ekron was 25 hectare. These are huge cities. Hirbet Kayafa is only 2.3 hectare. And Hirbet Kayafa and Hirbet El Rai is only 1.7 hectare. So you see the Philistine city were 20, 30, 40 times uh, larger and bigger than the Judean cities and Judean villages to the east. So then archaeology really does confirm what we know from the Bible about the Philistines, confirms that they were a force in the area, that they were a powerful people. And um, this, this really was a significant sort of enemy of the kingdom of Israel at that time. Yes, in the 11 and 12th and 11th centuries BC, the Israelites were living in small villages. Archaeologists discovered about 400 small villages in the hill country, from Beersheba Valley to the hill country and also in Galilee. And this site is 0 0.1 hectare in size or 0 0.2 hectare in size. Mm. So while the Philistines lived in the coastal plain with huge cities the, and uh, there were urban society and uh, hierarchy with kings and nobles and uh, probably slaves, I mean, it's a whole hierarchy. The Israelites were a, very, a small tribal communities. 
people lived in extended families. A village which is only 1.0.1 hectare, what do you have there? Ten houses. So it's basically a father and few sons and maybe the grandsons and they just live as uh, extended families. So you see, you see two different, totally different ways of life from uh, small villages in one side and then huge megapolis cities on the other side. Wow. I want to go back to uh, the, the story of David and uh, and Goliath for a moment. So uh, let me let me ask you this question. I think we we discussed it a couple of years back. But in your opinion, is it is it plausible that a confrontation between King David and a Philistine giant uh, could have occurred in the Valley of Elah? Look, Kayafa is one of the most heavily fortified cities that we have in Iron Age Judah. Huge stones, some of the stones are up to eight tons. You don't have such a huge fortification in other sites in the kingdom of Judah. And this site was destroyed after 20 or 30 years. And why it was built there in the Valley of Elah? And why it was destroyed? Certainly, you don't. we are not talking about the era of peace. So I think that it was built by the kingdom of Judah to protect the entrance in, into the kingdom from Philistine invasions. And I think that one of the invasions, there was heavy clashes between David and Goliath uh, and so on and so forth. And also in one of these invasions, the Philistines were stronger and they managed to destroy Kayaf. The situation was complicated. I don't think it was a simple situation. Sometimes David wins, sometimes the Philistine mm. wins. And that's why I think you will see the, the city of Kayafa and also the destruction of David Kayafa. It was not simple error. Interesting. And indeed, the Bible described David as a warrior. All his life is fighting against the Philistines. It's not just to kill Goliath and that's what the end. Yeah. You have again and again and again and again and again traditions about fighting against the Philistines. The question, I know some people want to, to take the Bible word by word and David really killed Goliath and so on and so forth. But, and this is even possible. But from a scientific point of view, we cannot find one person. I think that what we, that this is the way I see it at least. When I'm investigating, I'm investigating processes. I cannot find one person. I cannot find one event. But there is a process. And what is the process? The process that you have the Judean in the hill country, you have the Philistine, and you have constant fighting for about 400 years. And Herbert Kayafa shows you that here in the border, there were, there were indeed fighting and building fortresses and destructions in this time. This is one uh, aspect. And the other aspect is that you have a tribal community. We talked about the small villages in the hill country. And what the Bible tells you is that after the time of the judges, when you have a kingdom, there was a, transi a transition from a tribal community into urban community. And the big debate with the minimalists is when this process took place. If it took place at 1000 BC, so it's like the biblical tradition. But if it took place after 100 years, 200 years, even 300 years, so it doesn't match with the biblical tradition. And what I see in Herbert Kayafa is that we have urbanism and writing and administration and a lot of metal object and imported object. And we have a prosperity in the time of David at 1000 BC. This is the important thing of Herbert Kayafa. It's indicating that the process of urbanism and the, transi and the transition from a tribal community 
into a state and urban community took place in the time of David. Amazing. Well, that's that's uh, really, I think, helpful even for people who are listening and, and trying to um, think about how archaeology and, and the Bible uh, connect. And I know that's what's so exciting for us as we come to the, the land of Israel is to be able to see um, how the the story of the Bible can be uh, shored up by actual archaeological discovery. You know, I, I think it's interesting that because of all of the infighting between the Philistines and the Israelites, that the story around Ziklag, this place that you are uh, excavating now, the story around Ziklag is is a story from a period where David actually makes an alliance with uh, with the king of Gat, with a Philistine king, and uh, for a time at least, uh, you know, is allowed to operate from there. And and uh, am I remembering that correctly? Yes, sure. This is when he is a fought against Saul on, on yeah. the Gilboa. David joined the the people of Gat. Yeah. Then the other Philistine cities didn't want him, and he went back to Ziklag. Yes. Yes. Right. Right. Um, very, very fascinating. And uh, thank you for sharing with us about this excavation. Now, you are going to be excavating again uh, this summer. And uh, tell us, what is it? What is it you're hoping to find? What are the areas that you're going to be focusing on in the dig uh, this year? We want to have a better understanding of the 12th and 11th centuries BC. On top of the site in the, the best uh, location, we discovered monumental architecture from the 12th and 11th century BC. So we want to uh, continue excavating this monumental building and to have better understanding on uh, what's going on there in the time of uh, the judges. <clears throat> About David, we already excavated the small area which was occupied in the time of David. So I don't think we're going to find more of the early 10th century BC. But there is another part of the site where we found a, a corner of a very massive building from the 7th century BC. And this might be a fortress uh, from a much later time, from the 7th and 6th century BC, uh, that uh, guarded the, the uh, western part of the kingdom of Judah. We discovered an inscription in this, near this location, and it was already published, so I can tell you about this inscription. It has the name Kitim on it. Now, what is Kitim? Kitim are people who came from Cyprus, from the city of Kition. And there were soldiers that were hired, sometimes by Mesopotamian kings, sometimes by Egyptian kings, but also by the Judean kings, kings to protect and to help the Judean army. And we found in Arad, Arad is a fortress from the time of the kings of Judah, and from the 7th century BC, the end of the 7th century BC, in Arad, we have an archive, about 25 letters or so, which were part of an archive belonged to a person called Eliashiv, Eliashiv, son of Ashayao. And in these letters, Eliashiv get instructions to give food to a group of people that called Kitim. So we know about this Kitim already from the Arad okay. inscriptions. And now Hirbet El-Rai is the second site where we have the same name, Kitim, appearing on an inscription. So I think that if we'll have indeed a fortress on top of the site, and it's from the 7th century BC, it was probably kept by these uh, 
soldiers who came from Cyprus. <clears throat> and if we will be lucky, maybe we'll find some, some more inscriptions about the Kitiim or about supply of food to the Kitiim, like what was found in uh, Arad. Maybe it's not, I'm not sure yet, but we have a question, and I think it will be very interesting to verify whether we have an, an important fortress for, of the Kingdom of Judah on the western side, like the fortress, like the fortress of Arad, which is in the eastern uh, side of the kingdom. Fascinating. Well, we'll be uh, looking forward to hearing more about uh, what you find as you go and uh, participate in the in the dig again this year. Thank you so much for sharing about those things. Now, if I could ask one more thing, you know, from all of your excavations in the kingdom of Israel at from the period of the time of King David, um, what are some of the most exciting things that you've learned and or or found uh, as you have uh, have been working uh, in in that sort of area? Sometimes I think that the most important uh, find are the olive pits because the olive pits we sent them for hydrocarbon dating and they gave us a date of 1000 mm -hmm. BC. This was ha this happened in Kayafa and it also happened in Hibet El Rai in these houses from the time of David. So the olive pits are the hundred is the indication that we are indeed in the time of King David. That's amazing. I, uh, I've heard actually, I think you shared with us about the olive pits at Kirbat Kayafa before, but uh, I, th I think it's incredible that 100% certainty can come from uh, from that kind of a find. And uh, so that's that's amazing. I want to just say thank you again, uh, Yossi, for taking time with us today. We really appreciate being able to uh, hear about what's happening, especially in this uh, dig at Ziklag. And um, who knows, maybe we'll be able to come and, and visit you on the site at some point. That would be uh, amazing if we could come and, and actually film and, and see the place when when that's possible. Of course, you know, travel restrictions and everything right now uh, here in Canada, we're still uh, not allowed to uh, to come, but we hope that very soon that can uh, that can change. So anything else you want to just share with our, our listeners, our viewers before we sign off today? Well, I hope that everything will become uh, better soon. I mean, the Corona on the one hand, the political and the, the fighting here in Israel on the other hand, we must be optimistic. And uh, I do hope that next year everything will be uh, more or less as usual. And uh, you are most welcome to come and uh, photograph us, to take to shoot us when we are working at the site. Well, that's great. Thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, we hope to see you soon. Sure, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for tuning in to the podcast today. It's been great having you with us. And I hope you enjoyed my interview with Yossi Garfinkel. We are always so thrilled when we can bring you this caliber of guest. He is a well-respected, well-known archaeologist and just outstanding in his field. And we are uh, really thrilled to be able to share with you this incredible connection between the biblical record of the story of Ziklag and the archaeology of today. And we're looking forward to some exciting news out of those finds, even as they continue to work on that site. We are a ministry for Century Foundations is a ministry that exists to support the land and the people of Israel and to educate Christians about the Jewish roots of our faith. 
We're a charity and we rely on your generous donations. And so if you like the show, if you like Keeping It Israel, we would love for you to please consider giving and engaging with us in that way. You can visit firstcenturyfoundations.com and learn about the many humanitarian aid projects that we support in Israel and, and to find out how you can be a part of that critical work that uh, we are doing. Thank you for giving. Thank you for your generosity. We want you to know it's making a huge difference in the lives of so many in Israel today. Please don't forget to hit the subscribe button on our First Century Foundation's YouTube page. Go and like us on Facebook. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, please subscribe there as well and leave us a review. All of this is so helpful as we build the podcast. And it's just great to have you engaging with us in this way. The land and the people of Israel have a special place in God's heart, and they play a critical role in history. And so we remind you once again, today more than ever before, as Christians, we stand with Israel.